0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I was going to say, let there be light. Anyway... Welcome, all of you watching online. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. It's a good way to create heat. Say, This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my body is warm. And I will never be the same again, (laughs) never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. I thought I'd throw you a little bit of a curve. Woke up this morning, two degrees. I looked at the weather, two degrees, 16 below zero, wind chill. And I, uh, you know, it's funny, people have always asked from the time I started pastoring, uh, I, I was criticized often for having church when there was snow and ice. And I asked one question, I said, is Walmart open? Well, then why wouldn't God's house be open? And, uh, you know, people get mad because then they feel guilty if they don't show up. Church is open, and I would give you a reason to not show up. I'm not going to give you one, and I'm not going to judge you if you don't. And my response is, they don't have to come. I'm going to show up, and I'm going to preach. And uh, it's that simple. So uh, prayerfully, there's no judgment, no judgment on you not being here. Don't judge me for being here. Uh, I love church. As a matter of fact, I love it. A little bit because there's greater adversity if you don't like adversity you probably never grow and all of you know you don't have to ask for adversity it just shows up every day and so uh, use it to elevate don't allow adversity to take you down use it to lift you up and uh, I began this series on purpose uh, last week and um, I've I- Every time I get ready to do a sermon series, I have to get it inside me. I have to feel it. I don't want to just know it. I want to I experience it in my own heart. And the more I uh, have studied this and I keep writing about it, uh, the more excited I am. Because uh, a lot of times we do things in life and we make choices. And we never ask the question, why? Why am I doing this? And oftentimes, when we ask the question, we'll go through a litany of reasons, but somewhere in there is is a purpose that we can identify why we do what we do and why we don't do what we don't do. Uh, One person put it this way, your life purpose consists of the central motivating aims of your life. The reasons you get up in the morning, purpose can guide life decisions influence behavior, shape goals, offer a sense of direction, and create meaning. For some people, purpose is connected to vocation, meaningful, satisfying work. Um, And here's what's wonderful about humanity. God made us all different. And we've all heard it throughout our lives that Everyone has a unique fingerprint, which is absolutely astonishing if you think about it. Over 7 billion people on planet Earth, and not two people have the same fingerprint, thumbprint. Not even close. And so God made us unique and with unique purpose. Now, today in a moment I'm going to be talking about a collective purpose that brings us together collectively. We all have an individual purpose But then there is collective purpose, that we're working together for the purposes of God. Now, the challenge with this is is that most of the time, because of our own human insecurities, um, we gather around people that we feel like are like us, have the same opinion as us, uh, same theology as us, same faith as us. We get a little uncomfortable when, when people are different than us in, in purpose. Without honoring their purpose, we try to get them to come to our purpose. And God made it very clear that we're all so unique and we bring something to the table, which is why I love the name of our church, Mosaic it's just a bunch of broken pieces of people and humanity that God has brought together to make a beautiful picture, uh, I believe, of his redemption. and uh, we, So we are better together, and I'll get to that scripture in a moment. But I want to read Matthew chapter 4. Um, if, if you don't believe there's a devil, this won't mean anything to you. <laughs> and there are some people who don't believe there's a devil because it's scary to them. They really do, but they won't admit it. But the devil's purpose... The devil's purpose, and he he has a purpose, and it's very clear in the Bible his purpose is to lie, to deceive, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his purpose. Now, he doesn't just confront you with evil all the time. As a matter of fact, some of the, the greatest works of the devil, and please forgive me if that offends you, but the, I've got to clarify... Some of the greatest uh, tricks of the devil is to get you to want things and do things and offer you things that God doesn't want you to do. To get you off track, if you will. And if he did that to Jesus, I mean, think about the boldness and the courage of Satan if he's going to confront Jesus with opportunities or to try to get him to prove something, don't you think he might try that with us? And it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, in weeks to come, I will talk about the difference in temptation and tests. Uh, The devil tempts, and Jesus tests. And the test is not to show you what you don't know, it's to show you what you do know. It's to reveal where you're at and where you need to learn. It's not to pull you down, it's actually to lift you up. In fact, a test, if you're afraid of tests, we're typically afraid because we're going to look stupid, but the purpose of tests is not to make us look stupid, but to reveal to us areas that we need to grow in and learn in. And then it exposes those weak areas and we can get stronger. And it goes on to say, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Temptation. Getting Jesus to alter his purpose. See, to alter his purpose. Because Jesus told us that he came to seek and save the lost. That was his purpose, to redeem mankind. If Jesus does any of these temptations, it alters his purpose. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Strike one, Jesus doesn't fall for it. Devil strikes once, Jesus said no. Then the devil took him to the holy city And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. Now, what he leaves out here, this is out of the Psalms. And and the devil leaves just a few words out in all his ways. He just says he will give his angels command over you concerning you. Not in all God's ways, but just concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands. They're not, Jesus knew they're not going to lift him up outside the will of God. Yeah. See, Satan will always leave a little bit out to make it sound a little bit better to you and to me in order to tempt us to deviate from our purpose. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again... The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Now, you'll notice the first two were to get Jesus to do something that would take him away from the will of God. But now, he shows him something really cool. And this is a temptation. He saves it for last. And he says, took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor... And all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels attended him. Now, God was with him in that moment, but it wasn't until Jesus stayed on purpose after three temptations, the devil goes, and, and Jesus then says, leave. Get out. Go. We have to go through these things. And this is why I'm preaching this, because I think, I think I believe in people. I don't believe there is one person on this earth that was created to be bad. They're created in the image and likeness of God. But our fallen nature is so weak that we cannot... We most of the time, well, we won't achieve our godly purpose without God. And so even if some people, you say, well, some people are wealthy and they have all this money, but they don't know God. I can can promise you they're not fulfilled. They're just wealthy. Uh, Without God, any human being on earth, because we're created to worship him and to have fellowship with him, that's our purpose, to honor him. To follow him, to serve him, to worship him. And and our horizontal relationships affect our vertical relationship with God. My purpose can be thwarted if I put more emphasis on what you say to me, about me, or think about me. You see, it says he was led by the Spirit. We must be led by the Spirit. Great peace have those who love the law of God, nothing shall offend them. There's probably not a day goes by that all of us don't have an opportunity to be offended. You say, Well, that's not a big deal. It's a huge deal because people who are offended will not follow the Spirit of God, they'll follow the emotions of man. And so my life and my purpose first is to honor God, and the best way I can honor God is to be led by God, not be led by you. I could easily have quit this church many years ago when I first started, when things were a little fresh, and what people were saying about me, and then I wake up one day and I go, you know what? You can't run me out of town if God brought me to this town. And, and you know what? My sin can't run me out of this town because the gifts and callings of God are, are without repentance. I, I would lo- If that scripture wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't be standing here because I would have said, well, you know, one and done. But God says never one and done because I'm never done. And he's never done with us. And yet we give in all the time to what people think, what people say, what we think we ought to do. We get hurt, we get offended, we get mad, we get all these things. And let me say, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And you can, you can interpret that numerous ways. But when you get angry, you will oftentimes make decisions outside of God's purpose and God's will. So I have a policy that in my times of frustration, I try to stop before it gets to anger. But in those times, I say, hold on. If I make a decision now, I will make a wrong decision 99% of the time. And so I have to go back to my purpose. You see, after COVID, a lot of churches shut down. A lot of things happened. And it would have been very simple to, to blame it on somebody. But somebody cannot stop the will of God. They can stall it. They can make you question it. But at the end of the day, we possess our purpose, and if we stay connected to God, we'll fulfill that purpose. But we have to stay very, very connected. Now, I talked uh, about passion. I'm going to redefine these for you versus purpose. Uh, I don't really want to know people's passion so much as I know their purpose because if they have purpose, they will find passion. But just because you have passion doesn't mean you're going to find purpose. Because there are people who have a passion to do things that they weren't called to do. I have a passion to be a rock and roll star. Well, I did, and played a little piano, played a little guitar, and 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 I it just—it was never going to happen. And uh, you know, some of y'all—and it's—it's funny because we always honor other people's gifts and talents. You know what I'm saying? Wow, well, I wish I could be like them. No, no, you don't want to be like them. You want to be who God made you. And a lot of frustration is life in life is is trying to pursue someone else's purpose and it's been it's been good for them. They've been successful at it. But that doesn't mean you're gonna be successful even if you follow the very same path that they took to get there. Because God has better for you than what you're gonna be if you're like them. As a matter of fact, if you were like them, you might actually never serve God or you might just abandon God altogether because that's not your lane. That's not your power spot. That's not where you're protected. I am protected when I am in the will of God. When I get outside the will of God, God doesn't move and God's not punishing me. I'm making a choice to remove myself from his will and his purpose. When I remove myself from his will and his purpose, I stand on my own. It's what David did. David removed himself from the purpose of God, which he was a king. He was, he was, it says it was in a day when kings went to war, David stayed home. When David stayed home and stepped out of the will of God, he was subject to Bathsheba. You see where I'm going with this. And and we often ask why would God let this happen? Why, you know, God, you know why? He loves you so much that he says, I've given you a free will to do what you want, but the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by God. If I stay in those footsteps that God has ordered, he is there to He's obligated by covenant to protect me. Well, I've known people in the will of God that died. You're going to die too. Just because someone dies doesn't mean they're outside the will of God. It means, just means they got to go home early. And when you get to heaven, trust me, remember this sermon. When I said, we're going to get there and we're going to go, what was I hanging on to? Now, I'm not trying to get a load up today. I'm not trying to alter your reason for being or mine, but... but the fear, of, we should never fear death. We should never, our purpose is greater than life and death. Our purpose is to honor God. He, he, he can be trusted with our lives. Passion means any powerful or compelling emotion or feeling such as love or hate. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a compelling emotion or feeling. That's passion. And and passion has gotten a lot of us in trouble. So every time you have a moment of passion, stop and ask, what is the outcome and what is the purpose of the passion? People have a passion for music. Nothing wrong with that until music becomes their god, i.e. Satan. Worship leader of heaven, cast down. A passion... Lost purpose. What was his purpose? To honor God. Well, he decided he wanted to take God's position. He lost sight of his purpose, and, and it was driven by passion to be something he wasn't called to be. Purpose is defined as the reason, the reason for which something exists, or done, made, or used The reason. So ask yourself the reason. Why am I doing this? Why why am I pursuing this? Why am I feeling this way? Why is my passion? Because it can be hateful too. And, And if you haven't, look, the reality is, folks, we should not hate anybody. God's purpose was for us to get along. That was God's purpose, for us to get along. And the reason we don't is we're insecure, we want our way, we're human, we're flesh, we're selfish. And, and, and I, I tell you, if, if I would love now that I've failed and, and having some level of success to talk about marriage. And I've realized that my job and my purpose in my marriage is different than what I thought it used to be. See, when you first get married as a man, and, and this is difficult to say in the world in which we live now, but if you, God defined marriage, and my call is to lay my life down for my spouse. It really sucks. because all men know is, you submit to me. If I was a woman in a marriage, I'd look and say, yeah, and you need to be ready to die for me. That'll end that conversation real quick. See, because, but, but see, again, the purpose, we have to go back to purpose. My purpose wasn't to... Marry a woman to cook and to clean and to do laundry. I can do all of that. I discovered that, and I thought if I ever marry again, I'm going to know better. It's like i can I can empty a dishwasher with as much excellence as a woman. I'm good. You say, well, duh and well, yeah, but you see what I'm saying. The purpose isn't to get somebody to serve you, the purpose is for you to serve somebody. Boy, it just got loud in, in this house right here. No, see what I'm saying? Because we, at, the, at the core of our fallen humanity, we're selfish. We're self-centered. We can find purpose, and we misquote Scripture. I can find Scripture to satisfy every sin I want to commit almost. If I try hard enough, i got enough theology and theology degree to to massage Scripture for my own good. But if I really read it and open my heart to the Spirit of God, it reveals to me a greater purpose behind not doing things that I want to do that are self-destructive. I'm going to do what they do on television with laugh tracks. I'm going to get an applause track and have Kyle punch it we got to understand that these are things that, that we, we struggle with because we don't know purpose. So today I want to talk about a collective purpose, and if I could subtitle this, it would be the Three Musketeer Sermon. One for all and all for one. What a great thing, huh? We, we either live together or we die together, but we're not going to stand alone. It was never God's purpose for us to be alone. And, and even, guys, even God, God put it, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. God kind of had this thing for women. He didn't say any woman who finds a man finds favor from God. <laughs> Thank you very much. I gave every opportunity. Patrice got it. And, and, and so God levels the playing field all the time. And, and the Bible calls women a weaker vessel, which you can't even preach that anymore, but I will because it's in the Bible. We're protectors, providers, hunters, gatherers. And now it's a different day. I understand that. We no longer have to get our spear and go out and kill food and come home, skin it, and clean it. But, but again, God defined roles and purpose in us. And, and we have to be willing. Men, to lay down our lives. Once again, hallelujah, amen, preach it. I'm going to be the crowd today and the preacher because y'all really aren't cutting it right now. Given every opportunity. So we have to realize that we have different roles. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You see, if you can't find a purpose in life, just look around you. And everybody that you come in contact with or have a conversation with, they can become your purpose. What can I do to elevate their life? What can I do to encourage them? What can I do to challenge them? When someone gets negative on me, I'm i just, just going to turn around and say, you need to stop. This is fruitless to be negative. And when you talk about someone, notice this, you will have a difficult time talking to that someone. So when someone feels like it's safe to talk when nobody's around, I look and I say, you know what? Next time you see him, you won't be able to look them in the eyes. And they will feel it, and you will feel it. See, there's never anything innocent about downing someone else. Never anything innocent about it. It's destructive to you, and it's destructive to them, and it's destructive to the purpose of God because we are called to lift each other up. I've told you this story many times. I, I, when I was just getting into ministry, I had not been in a paid position And I was asked to uh, volunteer at at this church of about 12,000 people. I won't go into how that happened. But once I got in this position of volunteering, I was elevated to uh, the associate youth pastor without pay. You say, well, that's not a big deal. It is when you have 1,000 kids in the youth group. Our youth ministry was bigger than most churches. So now I'm second in charge, and one of my missions Uh, at Christmas, one of the purposes I had during Christmas was this church had, I mean, it was huge, had like 25, 30-foot trees on stage, and the goal was that the youth ministry was going to distribute gifts to kids in the hospital and I was in charge of, of getting making all that happen, uh raising money, getting going to places and getting companies to give us gifts so that we could give to the kids. And I worked for like two to three months in preparation to get there. Well, wouldn't you think that's a really good purpose is to help kids in hospitals. Isn't that great? I mean that's a really great thing. But then my humanity kicked in. Just I feel like I'm in a Catholic church, and I'm having confession right now. <laughs> and so I, I busted it. Two to three months, I did all this work, and, 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 and it, it was coming to the apex of, of this, and, and it was a big Sunday night, and I mean, huge, thousands and thousands of people. And I'm standing behind the curtain because I'm, I'm helping with all these gifts and getting everything set up, and so church starts, and the pastor calls the youth pastor up. And the youth pastor took 100% credit for everything that happened. Are you feeling the pain? And I'm behind the curtain, and I, I mean, I'm getting angry, I'm offended, I'm hurt, I'm every pause. I'm, then I'm getting angry, and, and, and I get this question from God. Now, it wasn't awful, but it was almost. And he says, would you have done this had you known it was going to go this way? God asked me some really tough questions. And I I paused because I thought, he knows the answer already. And so I thought, I'm going to trick him. (laughs) And I said, no, but but I want to. (laughs) And in that moment, I realized I had lost my purpose for doing this. The purpose was to help kids, but I lost my purpose because now it was all of a sudden it was about elevating me. You see, you have to be real careful. This is not about you. It's not about me. Our purpose is bigger than that. And so when I don't get my way, I need to just shut up and keep doing what I've been asked to do. And that changed everything for me, realizing it wasn't about being on stage or having the platform. It was bigger than that. It was about these kids laying in hospitals and families struggling, and I was so stupid, I lost sight of that. Once I realized that, from that day till now, I've tried to keep in mind, it doesn't matter what I do as long as I'm serving. It doesn't matter if anybody knows. I've gotten positions I didn't ask for. Early on in ministry, I felt like God wanted me to be on television. And, and, and I, didn't, I didn't even pursue it. I just thought I, in my heart, Somebody told me there's a guy who wants to buy TV time. I didn't even know. And I was, I was in California. It was Oral Roberts had retired, and he was out there. And I, I had known the Roberts family, and Oral took a lot of criticism in Tulsa for seeing a 900-foot Jesus and all this stuff. But his heart was so incredible. He, he, Oral never lost sight of, of bringing healing to his generation. So I wanted to go spend a day with him, so I spent a day with he and Evelyn and in their home. And, and at the end, Oral said, what can I pray for you about? And I said, you know, I, I really feel like God wants me on TV, but I'm not going to try to make my own way. My phone was off because I didn't want to be bothered while I was with him. So he prayed for me. He just prayed a real simple prayer. When I turned my phone back on, I had received a call from the second largest Christian network in the world from the president of that company said, We want to put you on TV. Now, the reason I share this with you is see, when God has a purpose for your life, you don't have to elbow, cut other people down. You don't have to fight for that position. You just have to walk in the steps of God. And, and I, I, I'm always trying to learn because I don't, if I would have gone on television in my own strength, it wouldn't have worked. But because I was invited and asked, that must have been the purpose of God. And it was for that season. And so we oftentimes in our flesh try to make the purpose of God happen when in reality God brings people together with the capacity to fulfill your purpose. You don't have to talk down. You don't have to fight for position. You just have to stay happy and at peace and trust in the Lord. Remember last week, I don't know if it was this service or 11, I can't preach the same sermon twice, so I don't know who I said, what I said to who, but uh, we, we oftentimes uh, trust people and love God. But the Bible says we're to trust God and love people. Now, we love God too, but he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. let not say love the Lord with all your heart. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So the problem is, is that we're trusting. And, and let me just say this. Every one of us has an unbelievable ability. Guys, you're going to have to get me a mic. An unbelievable ability to sin. We have this incredible capacity to do wrong. And and so we have to always be aware of that because Whenever something happens to us or some wrong is done to us, our human nature is to fight back. Our human nature is to punish somebody who hurt me. Our human nature is to get off course. And if you walk in offense and anger, you will get off course. You'll find yourself outside the will of God, just like David did, unprotected because you're outside the will of God. I will... Always tell people, don't do anything without the Spirit of God telling you to do it. Don't do it. Don't do anything. If the Spirit of God didn't tell you, you are in trouble if you do it. And so, we have to make sure that we understand, number one, fellowship is critical. Fellowship is critical to Christians. Now, fellowship doesn't mean friendship, it means fellowship, that we get together and we we have a common cause, a common goal, which is to worship God. That's what it's all about. And when I first started pastoring, there were people that wanted to get to know me. And and we were growing so fast. At that time, one of the fastest growing churches in America, according to research, and, and we were blowing up. And, and I, I didn't know what to do. I, I felt like Moses. You know, Moses back in the Old Testament was trying to meet with everybody. And, and God corrected him and told him how to make it happen. So I would oftentimes tell people, they, they would get mad at me, felt like I didn't want to meet them. I, and, and they said, well, you know, you, I said, look, at that time, there were 10,000 plus people. And I said, if I had dinner with everyone, five, three breakfast, I, I couldn't get with everybody. There was no way. And so I had to remember my purpose. And people said, well, do you do counseling? I said, yes, I do counseling every Sunday. I do an hour's worth of counseling every Sunday. Come and hear me preach. This is my counsel. This is what I'm doing. But but I had to remember my purpose wasn't, and I love counselors. Don't get me wrong. If I had the money, I'd go to a counselor the rest of my life. Because I love perspective. I love hearing things from other people. That's what counselors are for. And if somebody going to counseling, some of y'all need to go. Trust me, it's good stuff. And, 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 uh, but, but I'm not a counselor. But I will fellowship with you, and I'm in the lobby, and some of you avoid me because you're mad after the sermon I preached. Um, and then some of you come up and want to talk. I mean, I, I'm just saying we're here together. And, and if we will love one another the way God loves us, We'll find a lot less difficulty in this life, and that's the purpose. My purpose, first and foremost, is to love, to forgive, to let go, to trust God. Now, there are are three types of people, and, and I'll try to get through these real quickly. Number one, there are comrades. Comrades are people that you just happen to come across. You don't have anything really in common other than maybe you work together. Uh, uh, maybe you go to the same church, you're a comrade. You're not close. You're not connected. You just find yourself in the same place. Now, comrades mean that we, we may not even really get to know each other well, but but we do see each other. So these are not kind of people you're ever going to have an intimate conversation with. You're probably not going to know their kids, their birthdays. You're not going to know much about them. And, and you have to know that. Why is that important? Because comrades are not going to come to your defense. That's not what they're about. You're not there for that. You're, you're together for, you know, you go to work, you work in the same place, you go home. You go to the same church, you go home. You shop at the same grocery store, you shop. Just, these are comrades, people that you kind of know, but you don't really know. Second group are constituents. These are people, like you hear it all the time in the political world, that a, a politician will say, well, these are my Constituents. These are the people who elected me. They don't know me well, but they like what I believe in. We all we believe the same thing. And, and so, as a result, we may not get to know each other, but, man, let me tell you something. We rally around one purpose. If it's political, we're of this party and this affiliation. Now, don't expect them to like you. Expect them to like what you believe. <laughs> These people may hate each other interpersonally, but what keeps them connected is the fact that they are affiliated with the same party, the same party platform. We rally around, I don't like you, but I like what you believe. I like what you believe. And the problem with this is we can't let that come over into the church. There should be no constituency here. We don't just rally because we believe the same way. We raise our hands. I go to a church that raises their hands. I go to a church that doesn't. I go to a church that doesn't have musical instruments. And and so all of a sudden now that becomes common ground. But even people that go to the same church that raises their hands and are a little crazy, uh, they don't always like each other. And that's a shame. Because now all we are is we have a constituency relationship. Now, here's what Jesus had. Confidants, confidants are people that you entrust your deepest pains, your greatest victories, the secrets in your life, and I'm not talking about negative, sinful secrets, but things that you need to share with somebody. They're conf- you can trust them with that information. And let me say this to you: if Jesus only took three to the top of the mountain, don't think that you're going to have 20 people that are close friends. If Jesus says, you know, I've chosen my capacity. Now I don't know. I want to ask Jesus. I got a lot of questions to ask Jesus. I'm going to write him down and take them with me. But the other nine at the base of the mountain that didn't go to the top, can this is the beginning of bad church. Why did they get to go? You left us down here. What did y'all talk about? I didn't get to go to the top of the mountain. Shut up. Just be glad that you're at the bottom of the mountain. But see, this is the problem. We don't know which is which, and you have to define the level of relationship you have with people so that your purpose stays on course. If you get hooked up with somebody who's simply a comrade, and they don't really care about you or your family, but you start talking to them about the deep purposes of God, and they will sabotage them. They will misuse them for their own gain, and the minute promotion comes, they'll be the ones saying, look, let me just tell you something. At the water fountain the other day, here's what he said about you. That's a comrade. That's just a comrade. They're like, well, yeah, I know you, and we work together, but let me tell you something, that's about it. And then if you get constituency, yeah, we we have a common goal, but I still don't like you. But confidants are people who say, I will lay my life down for you. And Jesus obviously said, there are three of these guys, and it's a little scary to think about, but why would he only take three to the top? I think those three were his confidants, James and John, the sons of thunder, Peter, who was willing to cut off ears, even though he would, he would uh, deny Jesus three times, there was something about Peter that God said, I trust him. I'm trusting him. They saw things on the top of the mountain they couldn't even talk about when they came down. Jesus trusted them with that moment in time, with that experience on the mountaintop. Can you be trusted? Then there's friendship. And this is where you have to know the difference, define the difference, and protect the difference. Know the differences in those relationships because there are people who will hang with you as long as they can to wait for you to fail so they can step into your place. At work, you think you got a friend, he knows that you have favor from the boss. The minute that constituent becomes a confidant and you're about to get promoted, he will find a way to keep you from that promotion. Notice I said he, not she, because women just aren't like that. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. (sighs) Protect the difference so that you don't give to anything that conflicts with your purpose. So how does that work? Well, if you hang around a disheartened employee who's angry at the corporation, and you start talking with him or her about that, eventually they will pull you away from your purpose. And your purpose, listen, you'll never be a great leader until you're a great follower. As a matter of fact, I would never promote someone to a leadership position that first could not follow the instructions of your leadership. There was a time I had seventy-five employees. In fact, there would be people that would walk up to me and say, uh, "I'm so and so. I work for you." <laughs> really, didn't know that. What's your name? Because I didn't hire them. And and throughout the process, I w- I would hear things and I would get to know people and I would hear more things and I thought, well, you know, and I, it always interests me that people complain. About their employer, yet they agreed to be hired and work there. I don't buy into anybody that says, I hate this company, they're just so mean to me. Then quit! Well, you think they owe you something? Quit complaining. That pulls you away from your purpose, it does no good for the company. You have to understand, you will never get promoted by complaining about people who are paying your check. You guys need to stick around at 11 and watch how they behave. (laughs) Listen, I know this is strong. I get it. But I get tired of a society that blames everybody else for their problems. I am where I am by my own choices. I can look around and say, well, they did this or they did that. It's not what somebody does to you. It's how you respond to what somebody does to you. Jesus is being crucified. I mean, not just crucified in a private room. Hanging before people. People who hated him. People who believed in him. People who loved him. This mixture of people. Jesus had a platform, the perfect son of God. And in his dying moments, in the most pain anybody could experience, he never lost sight of his purpose. Father... Forgive them. Oh, no, 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 no. Father, smite them. That's what our human flesh would want to say. I did nothing but heal the sick, raise the dead, touch the lepers, and this is what I get? Greatest agony of all. Father, forgive them. It stops me short of asking Jesus to let me be like him the pain, the suffering, the struggles to finish your life's purpose in the most horrid way, and still you have the capacity to not forget the Father and his purpose for your life. And you can look at life, and we've all been wronged. We've all been lied to. We've all had issues, and and we've all done things. And every time I'm tempted to be tempted, (laughs) to give in to temptation, I have to stop and say, hold it. My purpose has got to be greater than the choice I'm about to make. When I want to reach out and not touch someone, reach out and slap somebody. (laughs) So my new thing in order to protect my purpose is, first off, protect the people myself from the people I'm around, because I'm not going to be dragged down, protect myself from places that compromise my level of self-control, I don't do crowds, Uh, and a reason I don't do crowds is because there are about 666 people, stupid people per thousand. I just grabbed that number out of the air. I know some of you are going to Google it and say, where do you get it? You can Google all you want. But what I'm saying is, I've told my wife, I said, you know, I've had to come to grips with my inability or capacity to handle stupid. I don't handle it well. So when people get crazy, I'm out. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to try to change the, the complexion of the crowd. I'm out. Why? I have a purpose to protect. You have a purpose to protect. There are people that you hang out with that every time you leave them, you and your spouse get in an argument. You feel built bad. You, and, and yet, you keep going out with those people so that you don't hurt their feelings while you're destroying your purpose. Look, I, don't, I care more about my purpose than your feelings. And as a pastor, it's my job to care more about the word of God than how you're going to feel about that word that I'm sharing. So I'm going to be strong. Why? Because I care about your purpose. I don't try to keep people in church to keep people in church. I try to keep people at Mosaic that are called a Mosaic. God calls you out of here, I'll call Uber for you. But if God didn't call you out of here, I will stand between you and the door. You see, because I want your purpose protected. I would not be in Oklahoma City two degrees. Are you kidding me? I got a text from a pastor in West Palm Beach this morning. It was cruel. Yeah, I'm studying about 7 o'clock. I get this text. It's 8 o'clock in West Palm, 65 degrees, warm. And I, I could easily say, God, I think I found purpose on sand instead of red dirt. But see, I know my purpose. I know my purpose. So bring on the cold, bring on the ice, bring on the snow. I'm preaching the hot gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't be moved simply by passion. Be moved by purpose and use passion. Don't be moved by passion and simply use purpose to try to fulfill your passion. Your purpose is critical to an abundant life. And some of y'all have purpose at home on couch, and God's saying get up and go to church somewhere. Get up and fellowship. Get up and find friendship. Get up and do something. You see, there are always going to be times our flesh says, don't do it. Don't feel it. Ain't feeling it. When people say, I ain't feeling it, I'm saying, look, well, you might want to start asking yourself why you're not feeling it. But I'm proud of all of you, and I'm not judging anyone who didn't show up. I, I'm fine with all that. But, but I do look, and I say, you know, you got yesterday in Kansas City, probably the coldest f- day of football ever, Andy Reid's got icicles coming off of his mustache, and people, 80,000 or however many thousands of people, find their way into Arrowhead Stadium to cheer on a pig going up and down a field. I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about a football. Some of y'all think, that was so cruel. And again, I'm not judging somebody for that, but the purpose is, you know, and it's okay. You can love football, and you can, I mean, that's great. It's awesome. No big deal. But those very same people can't find enough purpose to worship the one who gave his life for them. That, That stuns me. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you can go get entertainment. When you come to church, you get growth. You get challenged. You get fellowship. Man, church is critical, folks. This is not an option. It, it's critical to, to who we are and who we're becoming and what God wants for us. And, and to act like we can just pick and choose. Listen, man, I would go to church, and if there was only a back row seat, I'd go and sit on that seat. I was perfectly happy never preaching again. This is not my, I mean, this is my purpose in life, but this is my real purpose is to know God, to know God. Not to be like God, to know God. Because if I know God, I have more opportunity to be like God. But if my pursuit is to be like God, then I I don't think that's achievable. But to know God, that's achievable. The Bible says those who know their God shall do exploits. I want to know God. My primary purpose in life is to know him. Don't ever give up. Don't give ground to criticism. Don't give ground to offense. Don't move because somebody hurts your feelings. Don't move because you're angry. Don't move because, you're, you, you, you know, things aren't the way you want them. Don't move. I told you the story last week. I, I had an offer at church to get paid. I was going to be their primary youth pastor instead of an associate youth pastor standing by a curtain getting no credit. I chose the thing that didn't make sense. I needed the money, but I needed to be where God wanted me more than I needed the money. The devil is still as tricky and crafty today as he was in the wilderness. And we're not Jesus, so we don't even have the skill set to be tempted three times and say, get out of here. Remember that, so don't put yourself in that place. Stay close to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being God, and we're not. So, Lord, help us find our purpose, fight for our purpose, and finish our race. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to pray a prayer. Those of you watching online, watching this recorded, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. Today I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life to him, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405 1310 and uh, our prayer team will get that. Walk through it as you text it. Follow the instructions. We want to be able to pray for you throughout the weeks to come. This time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. <coughs> <laughs> Sound like we're at a golf match instead of a football game. Thank you very much. Just sank it on the 18th hole. Gee, Come on, people. It's so not Mosaic Nazarene. I'm giving you an opportunity to be offended, but don't. I'm just having a little fun up in here, all right? So today, if you want to give, the QR code is on the screen behind me. You can put your smartphone on that, and uh, it'll lead you to a place to give. If you don't have a smartphone, you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226, and it's called TEXT TO GIVE. Give 24 hours a day, seven days a week from anywhere on the, in the world. Uh, it will set it up. You can set it up on a, a credit card or a debit card. And uh, very simple, just follow the steps. Not difficult, okay? If you want to give on your way out or receptacles on the way out that you can put your checks in, money in, whatever. Or you can uh, also uh, email it or go to our website, better yet, mosaicokc.church forward slash give. And you can give right there at our website or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, 73132, right here in Oklahoma City, all right? Let's stand to our feet. Uh, If you need prayer, uh, our prayer team will be to the left side of the stage. If you need prayer for any reason at all, please go over and visit them. If you wanna receive communion, uh, you can do that, be served, or you can serve yourself. If this is your first time here, we have a welcome kiosk as you exit uh, the auditorium to your right. We have a gift for you, stop by and pick it up. We want to thank you for coming. We'll see you next week when it's not so cold. One, two, three. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.